afternoon and welcome to Empowering Family Caregiver Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Meghna Giridhar, your host for today's show, sponsored by eCareDiary.com. October 11th was National Depression Screening Day, and today we will talk about getting help for seniors at risk of depression. Our guests today are Amanda Lambert and Leslie Eckford, co-authors of Aging with Care, your guide to hiring and managing caregivers at home. Amanda is also owner of Lambert Care Management in Salt Lake City, Utah, which provides ongoing care management and consultation for older and disabled adults. Leslie is a family care manager, mental health therapist, and a registered nurse. Amanda and Leslie, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. It's good to be here. We're so excited about today's show. Like, uh, as I was mentioning before the show began, um, this is a topic that resonates with a lot of our audience members. And I feel one of the reasons is because family caregivers are under a lot of pressure. But based on your experience, do you think family members are at risk of depression or is it more the senior community that um, is likely to be affected by this? Uh, well, studies have shown that uh, family caregivers who take care of someone who has dementia or Alzheimer's disease are at a much higher risk for depression. And a conservative estimate reports that about 20% of family caregivers suffer from depression, which is much higher than the than the average, um, you know, normal rate for the general population. So there's definitely an increased risk for family caregivers. And I would like to add that I think that the family caregiver is somewhat of a hero in our culture for very good reasons because the work is so tiring, exhausting, and that person often is in a position to be completely focused on another person and another person's care and needs and this makes them very vulnerable to um, the feeling that they must be strong at all times. And even in this day and age, we have such a strong stigma attached to admitting that you have feelings of depression or anxiety or other feelings of that nature. And so I think it really isolates family caregivers. What do you think are some common signs and symptoms of depression in older adults, which may be different from those faced by the younger generation? Well, there are older adults who have similar signs and symptoms of depression. Um, And many of us are now very familiar with those kinds of feelings of Uh, ongoing feelings of sadness or hopelessness, changes in appetite, changes in sleep or energy, um, feeling unnecessary guilt. Um, But one of the things that we see for people um, who are older is that they just may seem more distracted. Um, They may... uh, you know, it, and people get concerned because they think in aging they they may already feel less energy, and with depression they feel that even more acutely. Um, one of the things that we see also is that for older men, 
they often are <laughs> some of our, our our folks who are in denial or don't want other people to to see them as weak. So they, oh no, I I don't feel depressed. I feel just fine. Um, others around them, their family members, a spouse might notice there's a lot more irritability. So that's one of the signs that we see for some older men that have depression. And I would just add to that that um, Leslie and I have worked in this field for a long time, and, and people have a problem sometimes with the word depression and the term. I think that's improved over the years, and we were talking before the show about how depression screenings are now a regular part of your primary care visit. And the primary care physician or your health care provider doesn't really use the word depression. What they do is ask you about the symptoms. And then that way they can do that initial screening and hopefully recommend help or recommend um, a, a more comprehensive screening if you need it. So if you suspect that and, uh, you know, a senior loved one is in, de- is in depression and they're all alone at home, um, they don't have access to, you know, they're kind of living in an isolated environment. What would be the best way to get help for them? Well, that's a challenge, and especially for for people who live in rural areas. For people who are in more urban areas, many Medicare providers will provide therapeutic services in the home. If that's not possible, and you would have to inquire about that, But if that's not possible, there's always Skype, there are phone calls. There are a lot of online resources available as well. I mean, I don't think that we would consider that true treatment, but it certainly provides supportive resources. So I think it really depends where you live, but I think there there is help available if you're willing to be flexible in the way that you get that help. And another option that we're seeing is, and this again depends on your area and availability. Um, if your primary care doctor or health care provider is alerted to the fact that um, your, if you are homebound or your relative is homebound, they may be able to um, make a physician's order for uh, an evaluation through a home health care agency. Many home health care agencies now have either a licensed clinical social worker or sometimes a, a psychiatric nurse on their staff. And that person can come in and do an assessment, a full assessment, um, an interview, and then um, <clears throat> depending on their availability, they would be able to do some short-term therapy at the home with a a person who would need that. I had one more question related to this. So these are great tips for, you know, seniors who, you know, you may notice that they're depressed and uh, these would be fantastic measures to take to kind of steer them towards the right direction. Um, One of the questions we've just received as the show is going on is about you know, the awkwardness when you want to broach the topic with a senior loved one about, you know, him or her being sad and depressed and isolated and them not being receptive to um, help. Can you suggest some tips on how to kind of get the conversation going um, and keep it positive? 
that <clears throat> that is a challenge that we see very frequently. And the good thing that we can tell you is we've seen very many persistent family members <laughs> have success in being able to talk someone into uh, talking to someone. And, and that's where I would uh, start with is uh, as a family member to suggest, you know, I just, I care about you and I'm noticing that you don't see yourself and I'm wondering what you think about that and see if there is some opening there. And once you have a person saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling myself, but I know I can get better, then you can say, well, you know, there are ways that um, we can help you. And uh, I know that uh, there is a doctor, there is a nurse, there is a, a social worker who someone else we know has been to. Often we come back to the primary care physician. We put a lot on the shoulders of our physicians, but very frequently they are the ones who can be the most convincing. So if you, can, if you, if you are struggling to get someone who needs some help in, if you can go with them to their next primary care uh, appointment, and ask the doctor in front of them, you know, say, I have this concern, and what would you do? And doctors are very well versed at this. As Amanda mentioned, the Medicare annual appointment includes uh, a brief depression screening with that visit, and that's such a good leeway into a conversation about what kind of assistance might help. And I would just add, that is such an excellent question, and I think it just gets to the heart of this discussion, sometimes it can help people to understand that depression is a medical condition, not unlike high blood pressure or diabetes, which you can't really control on your own except through maybe lifestyle changes, but, you know, through medication and those changes, you can start to feel better. So I think that when people see that their symptoms, yes, they, they probably are depression, but they're treatable, and I, I think that's the positive message here. Thank you so much, Amanda and Leslie. I think the tips that you've shared today um, have, will prove to be extremely invaluable for our members who've been um, asking us many questions related to this topic, um, and I feel like you've answered a critical portion of what, you know, of answers that they've been seeking. Um, I would like to direct our listeners to your wonderful resource website, mindfulaging.com, for more information about your book and other work that you're involved in. I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in today. Join us next time on Tuesday, November 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern for our Caregiver Speak radio show. Our caregiving expert, Marjorie Papp Steinmetz, will speak to Wendy Eichen, family law and collaborative attorney, about choosing a collaborative divorce strategy and challenges for caregivers after a divorce. To learn more about eCare Diary and our upcoming shows, visit our website, eCareDiary.com. Registration is free and gives you immediate access to your personal care diary tool. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. My Twitter address is eCare underscore diary. Thank you once again, Amanda Leslie. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.